Welcome, teacher friend. I'm Lori. And I'm Melissa. We are two literacy educators in Baltimore. We want the best for all kids, and we know you do too. Our district recently adopted a new literacy curriculum, which meant a lot of change for everyone. Lori and I can't wait to keep learning about literacy with you today. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Literacy Podcast. Melissa and Lori love literacy. We can't wait for our talk today because we have a very Instagram and TikTok famous friend that we met on social media. We love her. She just trademarked literacy and justice for all. So I feel like many of you even out there may even know who I'm talking about before I introduce her, <laughs> before Melissa and I introduce her. <laughs> Melissa, I know we've been waiting for uh, for this friend for a very long time. Right. Yeah. I mean, Heidi, she does. Heidi just feels really famous to me. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> Dropping knowledge with Heidi is like she's she's super famous. So I'm excited. I know. But honestly, I, I mean, she's also super smart and I think is a great pl- place for people to learn from in short little <laughs> nuggets. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I think Heidi is wonderful. So welcome, Heidi. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Awesome. We can't, we can't wait to talk today. I feel like this is going to be such a fun episode. Um, and don't worry about the, any kind of connectivity, Heidi, the platform that we're using, will make sure that it records your voice. So no worries. It's very fancy. (laughs) Um, but we, I just switched my internet. So, oh, okay. You're good. You're good. Yeah. We'd love for you to take a minute and introduce yourself for dropping knowledge with Heidi is here. So let's go. You all are too sweet. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I'm very excited to be here. Um, my name is Heidi, and on Instagram, I'm dropping knowledge with Heidi, TikTok, learning with Heidi. And um, I am a teacher, a mom. I've been teaching first grade for 10 years. I teach 4K in kindergarten virtually now, um, and came across the science of reading on accident. Um, and so I, uh, learning about that would just kind of made it my mission to kind of share everything that I learned along the way. And so um, I'm excited to be here and talk with you all today. Yeah. I, just, I cannot believe you teach four and five-year-olds virtually. <laughs> like, I, <know. laughs> I have a three-year-old, so it's pretty close, but I'm like, oh man. <laughs> you have a lot of patience. <laughs> it is interesting, but um, the school is a little different. It's not like the virtual teaching that you know, happened when the pandemic happened, right? Mm-hmm. We all went virtual then. Um, and we were online eight hours a day with our kids. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's not, not like a that. Good so way it's, to go. it's a little bit more. No, especially <laughs> no. not with four and five year olds. <laughs> no, we try to keep it pretty short each lesson. Mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> yes. Yeah. We can't wait to hear about more, more about that in a little bit, but first I'd love to hear a little bit about your background. I know you came from balanced literacy, like many of us, and uh, you took a journey into the science of reading. And I think I'm just curious um, for your story. And I'd also love to hear how literacy and justice for all came to be, because we absolutely love that hashtag and that phrase and everything it represents. Yeah, so I'll just kind of tell my story because... um, I found out about the science of reading on complete accident. No one ever taught me. (laughs) Um, And so I was, (laughs) (laughs) yes, I've, I've since learned I'm, I'm definitely not the only one, Um, but I was actually working with my son as soon as COVID um, hit, we were home all the time and he had not started preschool yet, but he was pretty smart because my husband and I are both teachers and we're like, we were both first grade teachers. We saw a lot of struggling students and we're like, we don't want him to struggle. So we're going to do whatever we can. And, you know, he had known his letters and sounds at that point. So I was like, okay, cool. Let's start working on CBC words. Let's start, you know, blending them up and learning to read. Right. And my husband, I literally remember walking down the stairs and he saw us and he looks at me and he's like, what are you doing? Like with that kind of tone, you know, and I'm like, what do you think I'm doing? Like I'm teaching our son to read, (laughs) obviously. And so 
he goes, he's like, he's not ready for that yet. And, you know, at this point I was getting irritated. I'm like, what are you talking about? And he was like, he needs phonological and phonemic awareness. And I literally looked at him like, you're crazy. I have no idea what you're talking about. (laughs) Never heard those terms before. Right. Mm -hmm. And the only reason he did, because he taught in the same district as I did, but the only reason he did is because he got his teaching degree after me, which was another one of my argument points, right? Like, um, excuse me, I've been teaching longer than you. I would know. Um, but he got his teaching degree after me and he had to take something called the foundations of reading test. So he didn't really learn like in depth, but the foundations of reading tests like touched on and talked about phonological and phonemic awareness a little bit. So he had a little bit of more like exposure to it. Um, so anyways, I started actually researching these terms because I literally just did not believe him because I'm like, if this was so important, if kids why really needed this, it? yeah, why wouldn't have somebody told me? And at that time I was finishing my training in reading recovery and I still had never heard of this. So I'm like, okay, we're, and he was in that same training with me. Like, hello, we're getting trained. This is how we help struggling readers. This is a program we're using. Like they would have told us, right? <laughs> and I had that in my head. Like somebody yeah. would have told me, like, there's no way you can be correct. So after researching, of course, and I, whenever I tell this story, I'm like, I give him, I have to give him credit here. He was completely <laughs> 100% correct. Um, and that's literally how I found out about the science of reading. So then I started you know, researching more and looking into it more and um, started learning about, you know, orthographic mapping and alphabetic principle and all of these other things. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Like, (laughs) how were we taught so completely wrong? Mm -hmm. And then, you know, you start feeling all these emotions, right? Like anger. I was so angry. Like somebody should have told me this. For sure. And then guilt. For those kids that I, I can think of, you know, even now, like five kids off the top of my head that I could have helped mm-hmm. yeah, if I had known who were going to Title I services, reading services, still struggling, end up, you know, getting um, IEPs. Right. And it's like, wait, what? We could have helped these kids if we were using the science. So I turned to social media because I was looking for other teachers, you know, sharing about this. And it was really hard to find classroom teachers because I'm like, hey, I'm just a classroom teacher. I don't have my reading license. I'm not a researcher. I'm not a specialist. I'm not a dyslexia, you know, because that's really what I saw at that time was dyslexia specialist, reading specialist, speech pathologist. And I'm like, that's I'm right. Yeah. Those things, but I feel like I should have known about this, right? Yeah, you're teaching um, kids how to read. So yes. <laughs> first grade is huge. I mean, if we're talking balanced literacy, right, I was supposed to get my kids from a level D to a level JK. They had kept it had kept growing. When I first started teaching first grade, it was like, okay, let's just get them to an H. Then it was an I. Now it's a J and a K. And I'm like, this, I'm supposed to work miracles here, but no one's giving me the tools you know, to do that. And so I was like, I can't be the only classroom teacher who doesn't know about this. So I'm going to start sharing about it. And, and lo and behold, I found out, yeah, (laughs) there's many other teachers who don't know. Yeah. Unfortunately. What I think makes your, your social media stuff really fun and special is that it is so manageable. Like it's just like quick, you know, 15 seconds or you make it very easy to access. So I love that about, about your stuff. And I imagine it's probably you being like, okay, what didn't I, what do I need to know? What, you know, what didn't I know that somebody might need to know, um, quickly and just like a quick burst of, of knowledge about reading science. So it's super cool. Yeah. It's also the way that I learn. So like, I think about it and I'm like, you know what, this is, I was as angry as I am. I was meant to learn that way because then I started learning more from my husband and I was asking him, you know, questions that I probably would have been nervous to ask if I went to like a professional development or if somebody like a researcher had come in and started talking about all this, like 
using research terms, like just talking over my head, I might have just tuned it out, you mm-hmm. know? And so it's like, I want someone to just, you know what, break this down. Tell me what it is. I don't need all these fancy terms. I don't need all this, you know, jargon or whatever. Just tell me like what I need to do to help my kids. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's what I like to learn how I like to learn. So that's been my goal. And my goal is also to reach parents or mm-hmm. anybody who's teaching kids to read. So I really just wanted to make it accessible for everybody. So yeah. I just read um, Mark Seidenberg's newest blog, which is a little controversial at the moment. But <laughs> one thing he just say that was really great is exactly what you just said, right? It's like, we can't expect teachers to go to you know, read all the research and keep up with the research. Like, that's just not reasonable. Um, so I'm, I'm wondering, like, what, what is, like, how do you do it? Like, how do you, <laughs> how do you keep up with it? And and do you have recommendations too for, for teachers? I mean, obviously coming to, to you for, for, for some knowledge, but also like, are there other places they can go? Any like training? Yeah. Training so, yeah. So I always recommend for people starting out, um, the book called No Better, Do Better. Oh, that's one of my favorites. By the Lubins, because it, it's such right an here, easy Heidi. read. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know. Right. I was like, it's literally right, right next to me. <laughs> I had it here and then I moved it back to the shelf. But um, it, you know, and you guys know, it is, um, you know, they write in such a practical way. Yeah. And so, and they give you super practical tips. And that's how I like to present my information. So I love that. And everything, it's such an easy read, I feel. So I always recommend starting with that book. And then I also recommend um, the the free, really great reading trainings. Um, because I started with that also in the really great reading trainings, the free ones, you get wonderful information. And they also break it down Um for you, like in a way that's easy to understand. Um, they have some approaches that are a little bit different. They're not as structured as some of the other ones, but it makes it great for beginners, you know? Yeah. And you actually went on to get letters, uh, trained, correct? And you're a letters trainer. Yeah. So my husband and I both are, my husband is a national letters trainer, um, for K five. And then I am, um, EC currently, but they are, wanting me to do um, K-5 as well. So I just got the materials. So that might be in the works. Um, but yes, I've gone on, I've gotten IMSC training. I've gotten um, letters. Um, oh gosh, what else? I've done the more of the really great reading trainings. I've attended lots of webinars and things like that, but it really started out with the really great reading free training was like my first one. And then um, I just started buying some books and I'll look stuff up online. Um, yeah. But you're right, Melissa, about the, you know, the research. One, it's not accessible all the time to everybody. I've gotten a lot of research articles from letters meetings that, you know, other trainers just have and have shared. Um, and then two, even, I'll even say this. <laughs> I went to a session with Louisa Motes. Oh, my goodness. I had to rewatch that. I can't tell you how many times. Just a process. <laughs> Everything that she said in speech to print too. Well, I was going to um, say that. Yeah, I've mm-hmm. I haven't gotten through that book because it. No. I mean, it's like I feel like I'm in college again when I'm like I gotta really focus and read this. <laughs> and it's just that she's so knowledgeable. She's mm-hmm. so smart, and she's a researcher, and so she just she just talks that way. And um, so yeah, speech to print is is not one that I recommend if you're just starting out. It'd be great for like a book study. And it's great to have and to reference, but those are things, those are the ones that like, I have to process those things. Like I reread them, re-listen to them and, and really process and take in like, what are they saying? (laughs) You know? So it's hard sometimes for, for teachers and parents to know what to do. It is. There's so much and you have to be discerning and you have to know enough to know what to be discerning about. And it's hard to do that if you're just starting out. So those, that resource is a great one, that really great reading training. And I, I, it made me think about when you mentioned Louisa Motes, um, I had listened to a podcast with her a while back. I'm, I, I, but same thing. I listened to it multiple times, Heidi, because I felt like 
I needed to listen to it like at least three or more times to get everything that the maximum amount of like what she was saying out of it. So I'm going to try to find it and link it in the show notes for sure. Um, and we'll also link the book speech to print too. Um, and if Louisa is listening, we'd love to have you on the podcast, you know, <laughs> cause how cool would it be to like, re- we'll, we'll call you for some, uh, questions, Heidi, if, she, if we do get the opportunity to interview her. <laughs> Yes, what, what, that would what be amazing. <laughs> so Heidi, I'm wondering if you will uh, drop some knowledge for us today <laughs> and actually give I'm us so a excited. little bit of uh, a, a kind of a sneak peek, but also just like, let's teach our listeners a little something today. So you had mentioned sight words as one of your like big <laughs> things you like to talk about. So I'm going to just open the floor and see where you want to take it. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. I could talk about this for days. So I soon became obsessed with Kilpatrick and Linnea Airy um, for their work in learning to read words. Um, Because as a first grade teacher, sight words were life. Like that's your whole life. Um, You know, the first time you go into a new classroom, or you're setting up for the year, where's my word wall going to be? It's like the first thing you do. And then it's just drilling those words. And I only did a hundred in my first, I wanted my kids to learn a hundred by the end of the year. I've learned through social media. Like I've had some parents reach out and say, my kid, my first grader has to learn a hundred words every nine weeks in first grade. (laughs) I know. And that's just like like, memorize these words, right? Yep. Our 400 words for the year. Yeah. Like, and I only did a hundred and it was stressful. It's stressful for me. It's stressful for the kids. It's stressful for the parents. It's stressful for everybody. One of my friends, um, her son just started kindergarten this, the beginning of the school year. And in November, she reached out to me and she said, I'm so worried about his reading. He can't memorize these sight words. I was like, wait, it's November in kindergarten. <laughs> this doesn't feel like what we should be worried about. <laughs> Not at all. And I had the same thing with my niece who's in kindergarten and her parents called us too. And we're like, look, they, they sent home a stack of, of words to memorize, you know, and, sh- and my husband had actually tutored her over the summer to try to get her like up to speed with getting ready for kindergarten. And then she started to regress because you know, um, at that age, the working memory can only hold so much. And so she was trying to focus on memorizing these words rather than phonemic awareness. And she was just losing, you know, some of those skills. So it's, it's, it's very, um, yeah, Mm -hmm. it is. So one of my big goals is to share everything that I've learned about how we store words, how we learn words, because it really changes the game. My son is in kindergarten right now and he has luck. He has been lucky enough to be home with us because he goes to my virtual school and we do a lot of his schooling and um, he's never memorized a single word, not one. And he can read. <laughs> he's, he can read. Like I try to challenge him with words. I was working on a video of multisyllabic words and how to decode those. And he just like reads it straight out. And I'm like, no, nope. <laughs> Stop. We have to decode this. Um, But, you know, he's never memorized a single word. And to me, this is just, you know, it's proof like this is how our brains learn. We did everything according to the research and what the science says with my son. And he doesn't struggle. He likes to read. He's got those foundational skills and and he's never memorized a word. So even the definition of sight word, (laughs) I see... um, and, you know, Kilpatrick says it in Equip for Reading Success. There's there's tons of different definitions out there, right? Mm-hmm. But he talks about the one that researchers use, and that's the one that I would like to use as well for yes. teachers, yeah. right? A sight word I would is like any to, word I that you like, know effortlessly. Yeah, because I feel like parents, especially when they, they are sent home these, like, stacks of sight words, like you mentioned, they feel like, oh, okay, I can hold this, I can touch this, this is something that's, like implementable for me to do with my child. I don't even know if that's a word, (laughs) (laughs) but tangible that I can use right now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I can do this. Okay. This is like super tangible, right? I can flip the cards. I can read the list, help them read the list, 
but it's not helpful in the long run. And so I, I'd love for you to give the definition and then also like, let's talk a little bit more about why, why that is. Yeah. So the, the definition that Kilpatrick uses and the definition that I am trying to share is that a sight word is any word that you can read effortlessly and automatically without sounding it out or guessing. And adults know 30 to 70,000 sight words. So whenever I'm doing like a presentation on this, I'm like all the words on the screen are sight words for you. If you're not sitting there sounding them out, you don't have to guess. It's a sight word for you. So I try to tell teachers a new way to say this is, you know, and in first grade, they're mostly high frequency words. Mm-hmm. And then yep. we have irregularly spelled high frequency words or regular high frequency words. So I would say these are words or these are high frequency words. These are words we see a lot in text we read and we're going to turn them into sight words. Yeah. So I try to just give teachers those simple things, those simple changes in because I always said to parents and students, these are sight words and they're called sight words because we can't sound them out. They're not spelled how they look. Mm -hmm. So we have to memorize them and just know them by sight. And that's why they're called sight words. And I literally cringe every time I (laughs) think about how many times (laughs) I've said that. Um, But I'm trying to kind of change that narrative to where, no, a sight word is any word that you know by sight. And before that, these are just words or these are high frequency words. Or Kilpatrick even says... um, he doesn't even like to call them irregular words. They're words with an irregular sound spelling pattern, mm-hmm. right? Because a lot of the times it's just one part that's irregular. And we try to make kids memorize the whole word. Yeah. Oh, that's so funny. I just saw something on somewhere, Facebook or something, where someone had the word cushion and someone wrote back and they're like, well, that just has to be a sight word, the old definition of sight word. Like they just have to memorize that. And I was like, really? Because like, the C makes a sound, the K, like that's a, one of the sounds that C makes. And the U-S-H, like we see that in other words, like push, right? So like, <laughs> like why does this whole word have to be a sight word? <laughs> and sorry, that's I'm gonna, a, a word we have to memorize, not a sight word. <laughs> right. No. And I say, I nobody can see me right now, but whenever <laughs> I say sight words, I do the little quotations, right. like sight words. And I still do use that term sometimes on social media just because I know that's what people are used to. But then I always try to clarify it in my comments. Like I'm using this term incorrectly. This is really what a sight (laughs) word is. Um, But I also, uh, last summer, I sorted over 200 high frequency words into a phonics scope and sequence. I'm telling you, the majority, 80% of those words fit perfectly into a phonics scope and sequence. And those are words that I used to have my kids memorize and even more of them would have fit into the scope and sequence if they weren't like like um what is it little little is not a heart word but I put it in there as a temporary heart word because consonant le isn't usually taught until later in any phonic scope and sequence and usually the, the kids are going to come ar- across that word a little sooner but in my ideal world We just wouldn't have kids reading words like that until they've been taught those skills, you know, like why, (laughs) you know, so we could have books and passages with all of the skills that they've been taught and we'd have no heart words at all. So Heidi, you just threw out heart words there. (laughs) Yeah, what is a heart word? might not know what that is. Can you talk about that? (laughs) Yes. Because this is all over social media, so we we need your help. (laughs) I am telling you, every time I go on, I'm like, "Ah, no, I'm cringing. There's so many misconceptions out there right now. I think people saw the word, the words heart words, and I think they saw some hearts, and I think they got excited, (laughs) (laughs) and I think they just started. This is what I've seen. Um, I've seen a lot of products and a lot of people putting hearts on high frequency words and teaching them the same way we always did before and then just calling them heart words and and slapping science of reading on it i've heard that like now it's a word you need to know by heart instead of by sight oh my god which is the same thing so that's why i'm very confused yeah i've seen both ways i know that's not what it is but i've seen that yeah I'm very confused. Oh I, so I, I need, I'm glad, so glad we're friends now, Heidi, because I'm just going <laughs> to call you every and time I, this happens. 
<laughs> oh my gosh, please. Because I, I'm very, I get frustrated because it's like, Hey, look, the point should not be to make a sale and, um, you know, use these terms that have now become these buzzwords, which I am not a fan of at all. Like I never yeah. like trendy stuff. I never, like, I don't like to like, uh, I don't know. Like if everybody's watching, like, what is that show? This is us. Like everybody's watching it. Oh my or whatever. Gosh, like, I have I'm, not, I'm not watched watching it that yet. I'm not watching no. it either. I'm with you. I'm not watching that. Yeah. We're also like not, if everybody's not doing being rude to anyone who wants to watch This Is Us. We get it. We, <laughs> like I love Mandy Moore as much as the next person. So we get it. Yes. I just don't, you know what I mean? Like, and nothing, yes, yeah, like, nothing against that. that show at all. Mm-hmm. Anyways. Um, so I get frustrated because it's like, no, that's not what this is about. This should be about educating teachers. And when we start throwing words, like I've seen a lot of heart word centers, which I will never, ever have because it really shouldn't be a center because it's not something that kids should do independently. Also, mm-hmm. it's something that kids memorization, let me say this, memorization does not take any skill. There's no skill set involved. Um, having a good memory can help you, yes. But other than that, kids don't need any skills before they learn to memorize facts or words or anything else like that. Anybody can memorize something, right? If you get enough repetitions. So that's this is where we have to change our whole mindset because when we're teaching words, through a process like phoneme graphing mapping or sound to symbol mapping that's promoting that orthographic mapping process in our brains, um, we have to change our whole mindset because kids need skills before they're ready to do that. Kids need phonemic awareness and kids need letter sound skills in order to learn words. So if we're going to really make this switch here and we're going to stop memorizing and start mapping words, we have to give kids those skills first. And I think teachers are missing that whole part. You see heart words, it looks cool, it looks great, and it's a buzzword now, so yeah, let me jump on this. But we can't leave out that part. And we can't just throw words in the center where kids are looking at the word. Here's my thing about looking at the word first before mapping it, like if you're doing it independently. If you look at the word, and I'm thinking about myself as a learner, if I have that word in front of me, like say the word said, it's on a card, it's in the center, Am I really going to sit there and say each sound, segment it, and then try to spell each sound and break it up and whatever? Or am I just going to copy that? Because it's right there for me. And I literally Mm -hmm. can just copy that word down, right? Mm -hmm. So if we give kids the word first, I feel like we're taking away from requiring them to use those skills. And so I never like to give kids, show kids the words first. I'll use pictures so if you're doing it in a center, it's just hard to find pictures of high-frequency <laughs> words. Like, how do you find pictures yeah. that represent that? So uh, that's just why I don't like that as a center, you know? Um, yeah. <clears throat> and um, so I think that's the common misconception right now. It's like, yes, it's a buzz word. And yeah, it's really exciting that there's something different and there's a different way. But if you're going to do this different way, you really have to understand this different way. And there's, like I said, there's skills that kids need. And, and to me, like now that I'm, I know better, I, I have posted recently about it. And I'm like, it literally doesn't make sense to teach kids words before they know their letters and their sounds. Like, because then if we're doing that, and if you're throwing heart words out there at kids, but they don't know their letters and their sounds, they can't actually hear that beginning sound in the word or the ending sound in the word. They can't segment the word. And then they can't spell those sounds. They're memorizing the word, essentially. I was going to say, it just you looks know? Like, and so, like hieroglyphics. Like it just looks like something that is <laughs> you know, it, that is just there that, that then they learn to see and, okay, that's said. All right. And then they're memorizing it rather than, uh, I mean, I, I forget the, the statistic, but if they knew the sounds in the word said, they'd be able to read X number of other words, right? Like it, it makes a lot of sense how that building their capacity to break down the sounds in the words will help them to build their usage, like usage of those sounds down the line rather than just learn that one word. But that's, again, I think that's difficult for, for, I think teachers are more um, open to learning that, right? Um, Because they see it in action, but for parents, you know, when parents are, uh, 
kind of trying to figure it out with their kiddos, it, it, the, the easiest thing is to give them the whole word. It's much more difficult for maybe a parent to say, okay, we, we have to segment this because I think parents have that fear of being wrong. Um, I think teachers also, you know, need to learn. So they have a fear of being wrong. I know I, I've, you know, been working with my own child. I'm like, and I'm both a teacher and a parent. I'm like, oh, this one's tricky. <laughs> like laughter's really tricky. <laughs> or like laughing. How do I, how do we sound that? This is difficult. And I don't know if I'm doing it quite right, but we're going to try, you know? And I think it's that, um, do you have any advice for those listening who are like, okay, I'm here with you, Heidi. I'm in this sight word, heart word situation. <laughs> what do I, what, like any advice, practical advice for, for parents or teachers who want to try? Yeah, just do it. Like I get messages all the time. Like, how do I map this word? How do I map that word? And you know what? If you map a word, not exactly how I might map it or somebody else might map it, it's okay. As The, the goal is to have the child say the word. Here's, here's some easy steps for it, okay? So say the word, have the child repeat the word. Have the child say each sound in the word. So let's say we're doing the word said. Let's just go through it. Okay, said, our word is said. Can you say said? Said. Okay, now let's break apart the sounds in the word said. And here's the thing. If your child can't do it, um, you, you know what I mean? Like you might have to help them out. Like let's do it together then. S-e-d. Said. S-e-d. Now you do it. You know what I think parents and teachers sometimes are, are, nervous to do that too. Like you might have to model things for them a couple times. Um, and so, and I like what you said about like, you might get it a little wrong, but at least you're doing a, a good job. Cause I see that too, a lot on social media where people are like, how do you break apart this word? And people are like, well, that has three sounds. It has four sounds. And it's like, Oh my word. Just like, <laughs> just we're gonna, you know, yeah. at least, at least we're teaching so, with sounds rather than whole word. Right. Like that's where I feel like right. the approach like, is drive right ourselves now. Crazy. If we just, <laughs> Yes, and the, 100%. the point is to hear those sounds, segment those sounds, and then spell those sounds, right? Mm-hmm. So however you're breaking it up, like, um, whatever, like if we're doing sets, eh, d, and then I have, um, you know, how do we spell, s, that's our first sound, how do we spell it? What letter mm-hmm. do we use? And um, if they say, like a lot of times some kids will say like, C, yes, you're so right, C can spell, s, you are right. Right. But in the word said, we spell it with a different letter. Do you know how else we can spell? You know what I mean? You're just kind of are going through this. Mm-hmm. So the kids are hearing these sounds. They're talking about the spelling of those sounds. And they're working on matching phonemes or sounds to graphemes or how they're spelled. And so like in the word said, um, I mapped this word with my son twice. And I never had to go back to it again. And I think that's the other thing that um, people get confused on, but I'll just finish my first thought first. <laughs> um, in the word said, like when my son first did it, okay, what's the middle sound? Eh. How do we spell that? How do we normally spell eh? And he says E. And I want him to say E because I want to know he has those letter sound skills, mm-hmm. you know? So yeah, you're, you are right. We normally spell eh with an E, but in the word said, there's a tricky part and we're going to spell eh with A, I, two letters. So we're going to spell eh with two letters, A-I. We're going to put it in that same box. And that's how we spell it. We're going to put a heart over that part because that's the part right. that we want to remember. So, um, and then we go on and spell the d sound with a D. And then we read it and we spell it and we say it. And, and that's what um, I was going to say. That's what makes heart words for me, like unique, special, and I'm just going to say it better <laughs> because usually said would be a word, like let's just memorize the whole thing. When in fact, like you said, like, there are two sounds in that word that are perfectly, perfectly. <laughs> able to be heard, right? And and so why you just teach them that one part that's tricky, and they'll probably and see that tricky part of a word again, and they'll be like, oh yeah, that's like in said, in again, <laughs> it's an again, AI and again, <laughs> yes. And um, a lot of people ask too, what's the difference then between me- remembering that one little heart part or memorizing the whole word? Mm-hmm. There's a huge difference. Do you see what I did? Do you see how I talked about each sound? Do you see how we segmented the sounds in the word and then we blended it back together at the end? Do you see how we spelled each sound? We had to match 
the sound to each spelling, even that irregular part. We talked about it. When we memorize a word, we just ignore everything. We yeah. don't do any of that. The, the we just say, here's the word, memorize that. it. Eh part, right? That's the powerful part. That's why there's a heart over it. Eh. Oh, I imagine the conversation is like light bulbs going off in your child's head, right? Like I'm imagining kids getting super excited. Oh my gosh. I hear the sound eh and my mouth makes that eh, you know, for whatever elephant or however they're thinking of it. And it's it's this shape. And oh, that's an that wouldn't usually be an E, but now it's an AI. That is so cool. Like I'm just I, I work with um, a little, a second grader and we do the same thing. And it's he, never once has he been like, this is real boring. Like, he's like, that's neat. That's cool. You know, like it's, it's exciting. And also it's helping them learn. <laughs> so, you know, it's and like you memorizing said, a bunch of words. <laughs> yeah, It's transferable. So we see the word again. Oh, my mouth did that thing. And oh, it's either uh, you know, I might, I might think it's an E at first, but oh, it might be an AI. That's tricky and interesting. Like, it's so cool. <laughs> yes. I find kids have fun with this. I was doing this on out school for a little bit and they loved it. Like they loved solving these words. And the, the thing that got me hooked on this is that with the foundational skills that kids need. So with phonemic awareness and letter sound skills, this just takes one to four times before that word is permanently stored. Our brains go through a process called orthographic mapping. They map that word, store that word in what's called our orthographic lexicon. I know I said I hate big words and I really do, but <laughs> this is the only time I ever use these words. Whatever. They store it in our orthographic lexicon and it's stored there. Like if you see a word, you know that color game? where they'll yes. put a word, the color word, but in a different mm -hmm. color. And you have to say the color, not the word. It's so hard because those words are stored. And it's so hard not to read them, right? <laughs> so once a word is stored, like I said with my son, where I did it two times, he could read that word anytime he saw it after that. So guess what? I don't need a heart word center. I don't need a quotation sight, sight word, word center. center. Because once those words are stored, they're stored. And now I can focus my time on teaching skills and move on. Yes, but they're stored because you taught the sounds. I just want to make sure we hit that point home. They're not stored because your son now has remembered the whole word said. It has now become automatic for him. I'm snapping my fingers because he <laughs> knows the sounds in those words. I just... I feel like that might have been a weird podcast sound. They're it's automatic. Am I? I'm getting that right, right? That's correct because we did what's called phoneme graphing mapping. So it's matching sounds to symbols. So we followed all of those steps I went through when teaching the word said, and we followed all those steps. We did that two times, not in the same day. We just did it twice, and then I realized that he could read that word every time he seen it. So I saw it. So I knew that it was stored, and so when you map a word like that and you do activities that promote orthographic mapping our brains store those words and that's why it's stored now and that's how we remember it he is not memorizing anything we never said look at this word and remember it we have sounded out every single word match those sounds to symbols and that's how he's learned all of his words and given him skills and the tools he's needed now i have a lot of teachers who will say I've done this like you said one to four times and I've done this like 10 times and my kids can't remember. Guess what? Do they have phonemic awareness? Do they have letter sound skills? Mm. Most likely not. And if they don't, and we're trying to teach words, we're mm. going to be Without unintentionally promoting memorization again. Right. That's like so, when, you, when you said you ask your son the question, like what sound do you hear? Right. That if they can't answer that question, that's when, you know, <laughs> that that's telling <laughs> you. Yeah. Hard. And if they can't tell you like, eh, how do we normally spell eh? If they don't say E, you probably shouldn't be learning this word right now. Right. You have other stuff to work on first. So yeah, that's, that is, and you know, when I said model it, I mean like in the beginning, kids don't know this process. This is new to them, just like it's new to us, right? right. So you have to teach them the process of how we map these words. You have to kind of go through it with them. But you're, mm -hmm. you don't want to be doing that every single time you're teaching a word. You know, you do that a couple of times and then your kids should be able to segment, count the sounds, spell the sounds. If yeah. they can't, 
they're most likely missing those skills that are, are needed and able for uh, them to be able to store those words and learn those words. So yeah, Melissa, like you talked about the kindergarten thing. I really like if I had in my perfect world, we're not learning any words in kindergarten. And this is coming from a first grade teacher. I can tell you 100%. I'd rather have my kids come to me with phonemic awareness and letter sound skills and not know one single sight word or any other word or CVC word or anything. I don't care. They don't have to know any words coming into first grade. If you've taught them phonemic awareness and letter sound skills, oh, you have made their <laughs> life and my life so much easier. Yeah. I'm telling you, those foundational skills are so I important. also dare say, I dare I say, if they have those skills, then they'll come to you and they'll know some, quote, sight words, right? They'll be able to get those sight words. Or they'll get them very quickly. Very quickly, <laughs> yeah. Yes, it's yeah. been, a, I, I, since I've changed this whole thing with my son and with my students, it's just, I always say, it's like magic, but it's science. Because it really is like magical. It's like you give them these skills and then it's like all of a sudden they're just, they're just like decoding and they're just reading and they're like, they can just do it. It's just like this amazing thing that happens when you give them the foundational skills. And that's what I think is missing about all the stuff we see on social media. People are just putting heart words out there, like teaching them the same exact way, putting hearts over the irregular parts. And there are some that are putting hearts over perfectly regular parts. So please, if you're listening to this podcast right now, please be a mindful consumer. Don't, I, you know, I just want you to, maybe don't buy anything that says heart words, including my stuff. Just don't buy anything until you're <laughs> like, you know what, what you're looking for. And you, you, you know that you, you know what I mean? Like you have enough knowledge behind you to know, okay, this would be a good resource or this wouldn't be. I have gotten messages from people like, they have hearts over all of these parts. And I thought these were regular. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like this, I'm, I'm very sad that this is like happening because it's, it's spreading a lot of misinformation about how our brains learn words. And, um, it's, I think it's just kind of like, we're teaching the same way now, but we're just putting hearts on stuff. And that's not the goal at all. No. I mean, like anything else, we need to be a critical consumer of what we purchase and what we look at and take in. So that's, I mean, a good, good thought, a good lesson there, especially with, I assume you're, you're referring to like teachers pay teachers, right? I think that that's something that when you purchase off there, it's really important to, to know what you're looking for and to, you can't just go in there and be like, okay, I'm going to trust everything. Like, absolutely not. It, (laughs) it, I mean, or any, we could relay this to like any kind of like curriculum sourcing, right? You have to know what you're looking for because otherwise what you look at looks really good, no matter what it is. It all looks very impressive. So you have to be a critical consumer, but especially on something like Teachers Pay Teachers where everything looks just adorable. Oh, for sure. And that's why I always recommend people will say like, what curriculum? Don't buy anything. Don't get a program. Do training first. Read a book, do some training because Otherwise, yeah, you're like, you're just wasting. And, and yeah, I've seen a lot on um, Teachers Pay Teachers now where people are just unfortunately using terms like science of readings, heart words, and it's not aligned or even decodable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just posted another- the other day, I, I, I searched deco- I searched decodable uh, recently. I don't know why, um, but I searched <laughs> it and the first 10, I think that came up were like, predictable text and, you know, have a lot of, you know, high frequency words and, um, same with, I I did the same thing recently on Amazon and it's like, Oh, it's treacherous. Yeah. It's scary. Yes. (laughs) I just saw something about decodables too, but then they said, can I get decodables by level? Like the, you know, the level AB. And I was like, well, that doesn't even make any sense. (laughs) And that's where you should not buy anything. Like if you are, you know what I mean? Like if you're asking questions like that, you're not sure, don't waste your money. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Don't buy anything. I mean, really do a training, grab a book, know what you're looking for first we so I'm looking at your where to begin part on your website 
And we'll link that in our show notes. But I think for anyone listening, if you got lost anywhere in this conversation or you want to learn more or you're like (laughs) super excited about some of the things that we've been talking about, Heidi's section on her website is titled Where to Begin. It's a really great space to, you know, peruse, to scroll through. She links the um, what she referenced, the uh, what is it, the free the what is it the reading training really great reading i'm there's so many (laughs) so many organizations (laughs) with the name reading in them (laughs) um the free really great reading trainings um and so that i think is incredibly helpful and thank you for for putting this site together for for everyone um Heidi, I'm curious. And Heidi, your website is Literacy and Justice for All, right? Oh, thank you. Yes. Yep. Literacyandjusticeforall.com. Yep. And I realized I never said how I got there, but I think I kind of <laughs> talked okay. about it a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, do you want to share? Am. We'd love for it to hear. Sure. It's just, yeah, it's really just because, um, you know, when I talked about earlier, feeling those emotions mm-hmm. of why didn't anybody tell me and feeling the guilt for all the kids that I could have helped and then thinking about all the kids that were failing. So I think back to my kids, I think back to, um, a lot of kids in particular, and it's like, we're failing these kids when we have the information and the data that we need in order to teach reading correctly. And then we're blaming the kids and we're saying they're not getting it when it's really a tier one instruction problem. And then there's these companies who I don't know, but you can't tell me. They did not hear about the science and the research. How do you create a huge company and curriculum on how to learn to read without having knowledge Mm -hmm. of the science and research that exists, right? So it's like this money thing, and that's a social justice issue. That makes it a social justice issue. We are denying kids the opportunity to learn to read for business and money sake. I mean, (laughs) and, and that's the only thing that I could think of because in all of my time now researching everything, there's absolutely no good reason that I can find why we don't have the science of reading in every single classroom. Yeah. And, so and can I clarify real quick, Heidi, that when, when we say science of reading, I know we talked a lot today about like the, the like word <laughs> recognition part of the rope of science of reading, but I always, always, always like to say it is the entire rope. It includes knowledge building. It includes vocabulary. It includes all of those other really important pieces. And when we say every classroom, I firmly believe that we all of us mean pre-K through college. <laughs> like all three of us sitting here today are like, it looks different at every level, but it does include, you know, building knowledge. Heidi, I guarantee that you don't just sit there with your four and five-year-olds and and only do uh, things that they can read on their own because that would be, like you shared, not a lot, <laughs> right? You're reading them rich texts to build their knowledge on different topics and so and vocabulary and so forth. So um, I just wanted to say that really quickly because it's so important. And oftentimes we do, um, I think I call it like pop culture, pop culture kind of sometimes um, takes the science of reading and puts it in that K2 bucket, but really it is... It is for everyone, and it's so important that we make this transition. And I just think at the collegiate level, oh, my gosh, can you imagine if our educators or even our doctors were taught about reading science? <laughs> like, that would that conversation would be so different in your pediatrician's Start office teachers, or in your teachers. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> we'll dream big. <laughs> Get it right there. Yes. No, I think that's an important clarification. I also think it's important to clarify that. The science of reading is literally the science and the research of over 40 years. It's not a program. It's not a strategy. It's not phonics only. Um, It's not a pendulum swing. It's not a fad. It's not a trend. It's literally the science. And I always refer to like the reading leagues um, definition on it. If you're not familiar with it, definitely check that out because you could just type in what is the science of reading and it'll come right up because that's the argument I hear the most on social media. Um, I've seen this before. It's a pendulum swing. It's mm-hmm. phonics only doesn't work. Um, you know, things like that. So I think it's, it's super important to clarify all of that for sure. Absolutely. Well, Heidi, you gave us a ton of advice. We usually ask to end with a piece of advice. If you have another one that you want to share, we would love it. Um, but also I think it would be great if you just to, we've mentioned them before, but just make sure everyone knows where to find you on social media as well. Sure. So 
I do have another piece of advice. Okay. I, it's probably like a culmination of everything <laughs> I said, but I always like to end with, um, if you took nothing else away, teach skills, not words. And I think I need to make a t-shirt on that one because yeah. I haven't made that t-shirt yet, but teach skills, not words. And I think that's because like we're, if we're talking, you know, high frequency words, spelling words, all of those things, you know, we can make a switch and start to teach, give kids the skills rather than the words, you know? And I think that's a whole mind shift. Um, but it's a good thing to kind of keep in the back of your mind if you're trying to make the switch to the science, following mm-hmm. the science. So, um, and then, yeah, on Everywhere else, I'm dropping knowledge with Heidi. Um, and then TikTok is learning with Heidi because it was too long. Dropping knowledge with Heidi was too long of a name. They wouldn't let me do it. You exceeded the character length. I did. <laughs> so, and then also when I started TikTok, I never intended to post teacher content. Um, so I was like, oh, it's fine if I have a different name. Um so eventually I tried to change it. So everything matched, but then they wouldn't let me. So, and then my website is literacy and justice for all. Um, I just opened my membership. Um, it is for people new to the science or, you know, like we talked about, if you're not sure where to go or feeling overloaded with information, or is this aligned to the reading science? Um, that was my goal in just creating a membership where there's resources, there's information, there's bite-sized PDs, there's access. Someone to talk to? Yes. <laughs> yes. Access to me. I'm there for you. Um, and that's scienceofreading101club.com if they want more information on that. Very so cool. cool. Oh, Heidi, maybe we can somehow collaborate on that. That would be really fun. <laughs> that would be amazing. Yes. Let's you, talk if you more. ever need like a guest to, uh, to chat about anything, give us a ring. Yes, I would love that. I was just thinking about that for sure, because I'm doing monthly lives yeah. with them. And so I thought that would be pretty cool to bring in some people. Yeah, we're in. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we love we love you. We love what you represent. And we're so grateful that you are out in this space doing all the cool things on social media that we can't do. So thank you for <laughs> do, like I've tried doing the reels and stuff and I don't know, but you're so good at it and you yeah. make it so easy to understand. And, and I, I'm just, we just adore you. So thank you for everything that you do and represent and that you're, you're putting out into this world around reading science and we're just cheering you on. So thank you. <laughs> thank you so much. I appreciate you all having me. Thank you. Thanks for listening, Literacy Lovers. We release a new podcast episode every Friday and share more resources in a newsletter on Tuesday. Sign up for our newsletter at literacypodcast.com. Each week, you'll receive important information, resources, and connected content. We're excited to create a space for community discussion about our podcast. We want to connect with our listeners and support you in answering your questions. But we also realize there are a lot of other educators out there who have great advice and experience too. Let's keep learning together in our Melissa and Lori Love Literacy podcast Facebook group, and be sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter. If the content in this episode helped you, share with a fellow educator and teacher friend. Our Literacy Lover community welcomes educators at every stage of their learning journey. We're so glad you're here to learn with us.